Hello everyone, welcome to the I Am Cannabis Sativa podcast. I'm your host, Cannabis Sativa. If you're currently a medical marijuana patient and want to tell your story and be featured on the podcast, feel free to email me at iamcanvasativa at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at iamcanvasativa. Feel free to check out our official Twitter account at Podcast. You can also check out and subscribe to our podcast on Anchor FM, iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Music Store, Pocket Casts, and other platforms like it. Please rate and review us on iTunes as rating and reviewing us will bump up the pod on their algorithm and put this podcast in front of even more eyeballs and spread this project throughout the United States and hopefully the entire planet. If you like what we are doing, please become a Patreon and support us. We plan on doing big things with our humble little projects, such as going to trade shows, visiting other MMJ or recreational states, doing on-field, and doing on-field work. By supporting us, it helps us to keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for hosting and equipment, and travel. You can do this by going to anchor.fm slash podcast slash support. Hello, everyone. Um, so, um, I just wanted to start this episode off with, um, a, a saying that I, I heard sort of growing up when I was in high school. Um, I've always been a history buff, and, um, one of my favorite teachers, um, who, who ended up writing me my college recommendation that ended up getting me to the University of Massachusetts Amherst, um, so he, so one of the things, one of the first things he said when I took his honors history course when I was, let's say, fifteen years old, one of the first like he he had it on the he had it on the chalkboard in like really big, he wrote it really big, and the saying goes like this: "Don't believe a word I say." And I I want to say that to you guys. Um, I'm just an activist with a um, medical who happens to be a medical marijuana patient who wants um equitable and affordable medical cannabis access no matter where where you live in this country that's that's the, that's that's the aim of this podcast that's that, that's sort of what that's sort of what I'm about you know but um I'm not I'm not a I'm not a scientist I'm not a I'm not a doctor I don't have I don't have medical training I'm not a nurse you know so I I like to go to conferences whenever I can and learn from people who are actually medical professionals who actually do know their stuff about science and medicine and you know what medical marijuana can treat and and why it's able to treat it and can give you very specific details as to why why marijuana is able to do the things it's doing and um so i i attended NECAN in 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 march and I, I i learned a lot of like stuff that i didn't otherwise know and one such panel that i attended um was was called um cannabis weeding fact from fiction and um it was by this um i think nurse yeah she was a nurse um Dr. J or Nurse Janice Newell Bisek MS so RN um so she um so she 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 had like a lot of useful stuff to impart about how um about sort of how um adult use marijuana works in in Massachusetts as well as um you know how the endocannabinoid system works and she um talks about um evidence based she talks about real like co- she brings like some hard research on on the benefits and risks of of cannabis and how it can treat anxiety pain PTSD insomnia and chemotherapy induced nausea and vomiting as well as other debilitating conditions that she talked about so i'm going to leave you with her lecture i think it's about close to an hour long listen to all of it you know, because like like I said, don't believe a word I say. I'm not I'm not a doctor. I'm not. I can't give you medical advice. So you'd be profoundly stupid to take medical advice from me. And um, so so take it from nurses and doctors who actually know their their stuff. So enjoy.
Okay, I am Janice Physics, and I'm a holistic cannabis practitioner. My background is that I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist, have been for a few decades, and I've done a variety of things. I've done cardiac rehab, I've sold nutrition software. I was uh, the dietitian for the United States Senate down in Washington for a few years. I then worked for the Boston Harbor Hotel for a decade. Then I wrote a book on how to feed families a healthy diet, started a website, started a blog, started a podcast, which was all about 17 years ago. Did that for a while, and then just over two years ago, in the fall of 2016, uh, my father was quite ill and was in a lot of pain. And he was given all the traditional pain medications. And let me just tell you this. This is what we're going to talk about today, and I want to spend time. So my dad was in a lot of pain and took all the traditional pain meds. He had the usual side effects. He was severely constipated, requiring hospitalization. At that point, I said to his doctor, what about medical marijuana? Honestly, I really didn't know anything about medical marijuana. I really wasn't a user. I tried it once in college. Uh, I really didn't know a lot, but I thought, oh, I'm desperate. I will try anything. And the doctor said, I think that's a great idea which is a very positive thing because many doctors I have found since then say, I don't think that's a good idea. He's on these medications. It might interact with the medications. I think it's safer not to. So thanks to Dr. Nadelson, I did some research and the more I read, the more I thought, what the, like, why didn't they recommend this, you know, a year ago? So I decided, we got dad certified. I brought him to a dispensary in Salem. On the way up there, he was, in such pain, and he never complained, but he was in terrible, terrible pain. We came home, he, I went, I thought, of course, that I could go in with him, and of course you can't, because I wasn't certified. I had to send him in on his own with his cane, 84 years old, and he went in and they gave him a vape pen. We went home, he took two puffs, and he stood up and he said, wow, and I said, are you dizzy? Are you, he said, I'm not in pain. And so that day I decided to change my career. I went back to school. I went to the Holistic Cannabis Academy and became a holistic cannabis practitioner. So we know that this is the stereotypical view of the cannabis user, not the previous picture of my father. <laughs> and cannabis has been used medicinally for thousands of years. It was used in Chinese medicine. In the 1840s, Queen Victoria used a cannabis tincture for her menstrual cramps. And then in the early 1900s, uh, we, there were a lot of things that came into play that caused cannabis to be vilified. Uh, none of the reasons were medical or scientific. It was more political and racial, and that could be an entire other one-hour talk, which I won't get into. But the Marijuana Tax Act, the marijuana to make it sound Mexican because we had a lot of Mexican immigrants and some of them smoked marijuana, so they wanted it to sound Mexican, and this was a vile herb that was going to destroy our society, reefer madness. Uh, in 1942, in 1850, uh, cannabis was added to the pharmacopoeia, which is the doctor, which is the book that doctors use to prescribe different medications for different conditions, and it was removed in 1942. And then in 1970, of course, it was classified as a Schedule One substance, which with heroin and LSD, meaning it has no medical value and a high potential for abuse, both of which are very untrue. In 1996, California was the first to approve medical cannabis. And then, let's see, in 97, the New England Journal of Medicine called for rescheduling, as people have been doing for decades, to no avail. We're getting closer, though. I really believe we're getting closer. In 1999, the Institute of Medicine reported that cannabis had high potential for treating nausea, pain, anxiety, and appetite loss. And in 2003, the US government was granted a patent on CBD as a neuroprotectant and antioxidant. So the NIH scientists back in 1999 were doing research to see what could help some of these neurodegenerative diseases and they found that CBD and other cannabinoids were actually very effective. So they applied for and received a patent. Cannabis versus hemp. Some of you may know this, but we have a cannabis sativa L plant 
a hemp plant is pretty much the same plant with less than 0.3% THC. So hemp is a low THC cannabis plant, essentially. So hemp is less than 0.3%, low potency marijuana or cannabis is less than 6%, then you've got 6 to 14%, and then the higher potency, uh, which is up to 30% or so. Indica versus sativa, I'm sure most of us have heard of those. Indica is like indica, which is very relaxing. Sativa might be more uplifting, more creative, more energetic. Now with the uh, hybridization that's gone on over the past couple of decades, that is not always the most accurate way to look at uh, cannabis cultivars or cannabis strains. You really have to look at the cannabinoid profiles depending on what you're interested in. So the active components of cannabis, we have THC, which most of us have heard about. That is the one that is psychotropic. We, we don't say that CBD is non-psychoactive because CBD is psychoactive. It's just not psychotropic. It doesn't make you high or stoned. So you've got the THC, CBD. These are the two that are the, probably the most well-known. And then you've got another 100 cannabinoids, 100 plus cannabinoids. Uh, CBN is one that can actually help. It's, it's sedating, so that's good if you're looking for a good night's sleep. CBN is a good cannabinoid. CBG, a lot of the uh, cannabinoids actually start out as CBG. We have CBC, THCV, a lot of research going on. It's an appetite suppressant, and it can help with blood sugar control. THCA and CBDA, those are the acid forms, those are the raw forms of THC and CBD. So when you have a cannabis plant, it's the acid form, it's the raw form. It's when you heat it and activate it that it becomes THC or CBD. And there are a lot of medical benefits to the acid forms. They're uh, very potent anti-inflammatories, so that would you could get that by juicing the leaves of a cannabis plant. Although I've heard that the medical benefit really leaves quickly because it oxidizes. So if you juice cannabis leaves, drink it quick. Okay, use it quickly or freeze it. That's what I've done. I've, I've juiced the leaves of those male plants. I tried to plant six plants this year because that's okay. And I got seeds here last year and uh, five of them were males, which you know, you kind of have to call the herd, you know? So we had, to, we had to get rid of those five male plants. And uh, so I plucked the leaves off of them and put them through a juicer. And a lot of leaves go in there and not much juice came out. So I blended it with some coconut milk and then I froze ice cubes so that I can use them in smoothies. I don't know how much of the active you know, components are left, but it tastes good, so. In addition to cannabinoids, the cannabis plant contains terpenes. And most of you have heard this term. It's what gives the cannabis its aroma, its smell. Tons of medical benefits in these terpenes. Myrcene is good for sleep. It's, it's sedating linalool, which you find in lavender. So if you smell lavender and you smell a cannabis plant that's high in linalool, you might get that same, that same smell. Limonene you find in citrus fruits. So if you break open an orange or a lemon and you get that, that, that limonene smell, that's a, uh, a terpene. Beta-caryophylline, that is found in uh, black pepper. Uh, I believe it's found in mangoes and maybe that's myrcene, but beta-caryophylline is good for pain. So that's a good, a good terpene. Pinene, another terpene. And then there are also flavonoids. There are catechins quercetin, which is found in red wine and has health benefits. Canaflavin A is as, has a higher anti-inflammatory potential than aspirin. So a lot of powerful, powerful things in a cannabis plant. THC, as I mentioned, it's the psychotropic one, as we know, but it has a lot of medical benefits. People say, oh, THC, that's the bad one. That's the one that makes you high. Well, no, I mean, yeah, it can make you high, but it's got a lot of really good medical benefits. It's good for pain relief, it's anti-inflammatory, anti-spasm, can help stimulate appetite. So if someone is, is going through chemotherapy, a little THC to get the appetite back is a good thing. It's a muscle relaxant and a bronchodilator. 
So interesting that you know you consume cannabis and people say, well, that's bad, bad for your lungs. Well, it's a bronchodilator, so. CBD, also lots of medical benefits, uh, pain relief, anti-inflammatory, anti-seizure, nausea, antidepressant, anti-anxiety. It's really quite good for uh, anti-anxiety. I have a lot of clients who are seeing great results uh, for their anxiety. Neuroprotective. I always tell people if you have or know someone who has a concussion or brain injury, you really want to get CBD on board, uh, which is one reason that the federal government has this patent. It's a neuroprotectant, so it protects your brain. And if you have a brain injury, you want to get CBD because it can decrease the, uh, the bad effects of a brain injury, the damage that occurs in your brain, the long-term damage. There are a lot of mechanisms when you have a brain injury, you have an increase in glutamate in your brain, it's this excitatory uh, uh, not, uh, neuron, uh, what is that called? What am I talking What am I thinking? Thank you, neurotransmitter. And so taking CBD actually increases the GABA, which decreases the glutamate, decreases the brain uh, damage. Uh, bone health, a lot of exciting research going on for bone health. They've done research uh, with rats in particular, where broke rats with broken legs, two groups, uh, they gave one group CBD and one group didn't get CBD, and the group that got the CBD healed twice as fast, but more impressively, their bones were stronger afterwards, which is really kind of, I mean, think of our, our aging population and those of us with osteopenia and osteoporosis, and if you can take CBD and actually increase your bone mass, that's the entourage or the ensemble effect. And what this says is that the whole plant is greater than the sum of its part. So if you go and get, there's a new CBD isolate, Epidiolex, which you've probably heard of, that they've approved, the FDA approved it for kids with uh, severe epilepsy. So that is just the CBD molecule. And the power of the cannabis plant is this ensemble effect that all these cannabinoids and flavonoids and terpenes and all these other good things they work together so it's i'm a dietitian so if i say okay nancy it's it's a, a broccoli is good for you but i'm just going to give you a vitamin a pill because i mean that's that's a reason that broccoli is good well that's not the only reason i mean that's good it's got beta carotene but it's got a hundred other things in there so that's what we, we want to get as many of the components of the plant as possible as our, as our medicine. Uh, oh, there was a documentary. There was a journalist in Great Britain, and she wanted to do research on cannabis. So they gave her IV. They gave her 10 milligrams of THC, and she videotaped this. This was a whole thing. And she, she said, I feel like I'm at a funeral. Something's happening. I, I have this feeling of dread. I mean, a lot of people react that way to THC. Uh, they get paranoid, they get frightened, they get a rapid heart rage, uh, very, very anxious. In the next week, they gave her 10 milligrams of THC, the same thing with 10 milligrams of CBD. And she was giggling and she was happy. So CBD can actually um, tamp down on the psychoactivity of THC. So when people need more THC for medicine, then if you give them CBD with it, then they can tolerate a higher THC dose. And if someone ever gets too high that you might know, uh, give them some CBD, either a tincture under the tongue or if you have flour that's high CBD, have them take a couple of puffs of flour because that will help to tamp down on the psychoactivity. You can also give them um, peppercorns to chew because that will counteract uh, some of the high and it will, it will bring it down. So peppercorns, keep those on hand. And then I always tell people, you know, because people when they get too high they think they're going to die and they call 911. And you know, no one's ever died from too much. They just feel like they might want to because it's so uncomfortable for people who aren't used to it or who, for example, take an edible and then take a, a bite of an edible, and a half hour later they say, well, there's really nothing in here. They said this was high in THC, or they're full of baloney, so they take another bite, and another bite, and another bite, and we all know what happens. You get completely, completely stoned and paranoid, and all these, like I said, the rapid heart rate, a dry mouth, they just, it's very uncomfortable. 
So the endocannabinoid system, this is a fabulous system. There was a doctor earlier who talked about this, but it is, it's the largest neurotransmitter system in our bodies. And we actually produce two, at least two, probably quite a few more, but we produce at least two cannabinoids. I told you the cannabis plant has over 100 cannabinoids. We produce at least two. One is called anandamide, and that's called, uh, dubbed the bliss molecule. So if your body creates a lot of anandamide, you will tend to have less anxiety. If your body doesn't make a lot of anandamide, you have a higher risk of having an anxious personality. So 2-AG is another one that we create, and that's particularly neuroprotective. So again, to protect our brain from Alzheimer's and concussions and, and whatnot. We have receptors all over our bodies. We have CB1 receptors and CB2 receptors. CB1 receptors are mostly in the brain and spinal cord, but they're all over our body. There's some in our GI tract and all over. CB2 receptors, a lot in our immune cells. And there are CB2 receptors on our organs and other parts of the body. Now, we also have enzymes. So enzymes are, it's something that breaks down something in your body. So, pha breaks down anandamide. Anandamide is the bliss molecule. So do we want a lot of pha or a little pha? A little. Because if you have too much pha, you're breaking down your anandamide. You're creating this bliss molecule, and pha eats it. So you never have a nice level of anandamide in your blood. So we don't want a lot of pha. So there are pharmaceutical companies out there who are looking to create drugs that will break down pha, thereby keeping your anandamide levels high in your blood, which should make us all happier people. I think we should all be taking that drug. Or CBD, because CBD actually, that's one reason that CBD is an anti-anxiety, is because CBD actually inhibits pha. So that's why it can help a lot of people with anxiety, because it inhibits the uh, pha enzyme. Mangal is the enzyme that breaks down 2-AG, so we don't want too much of that either. Okay, these are some qualifying conditions for medical marijuana in Massachusetts. You can also, your doctor, your qualifying doctor can say that you, you don't have to have these, but these are the ones that are kind of a slam dunk. If you have one of these conditions, you do qualify in Massachusetts. Which interestingly, anxiety, insomnia, and pain are the three most common reasons that people turn to cannabis for medicine. And there are a lot of states that do not list anxiety as a qualifying condition. Okay, so how does cannabis and CBD, how, well, how do they relieve pain? Uh, well, first, there's, there's conclusive evidence, according to the National Academies of Science, that it may be an effective treatment for pain. So one thing that cannabis and CBD does is it, uh, they, inhibit the release of these pro-inflammatory compounds. So lutrines and cytokines, so it'll, it'll tamp those down. The CBD inhibits pha, which is uh, what I mentioned before. So we want to get rid of some of that pha. And then with boronondamide, that it can activate your CB1 receptors. It decreases the neurotransmission of pain signals. So you've got the, these neurons all throughout your body, and they send signals. And what CBD can do is, is fill some of those receptor sites so that the pain signal doesn't get through as strong. And I tell people that, you know, for example, CBD, you, you're probably not gonna get a pain level of eight or nine down to a zero taking CBD. But a lot of people that I work with that have a pain level of seven or eight, they say, if I can get it to a three or four, that's a win. That's manageable, I can manage that pain. But the, but the seven and eight pain is just too much. Uh, let's see, so, okay, so for pain activation of the CB2 receptors on the immune cells, and beta-caryophylline is actually the only terpene that we know of that binds to the CB2 receptor, and that decreases pain in the body too. That's why that one is so good for pain, the beta-caryophylline. Uh, cannabis and CBD have synergy with the endogenous opioid system, so we have an opioid system in our bodies to deal with pain, and so, these things can uh, have some synergy with that. 
CBD also activates serotonin receptors to decrease pain perception. So there's pain and then there's pain. And if you have more serotonin and more anandamide and more of a feeling of well-being, your pain perception might come down a notch too. Okay, cannabis versus opioids. Who has heard that cannabis is a gateway drug? Bad, bad gateway drug. Yes, it's gonna lead people to go to straight to heroin and, and other hard drugs. Uh, it's really an exit herb and it can help a lot of people and it has helped a lot of people get off of opioids. So giving cannabis can decrease use by up to 44%. Legal marijuana states have about a 30, 30, 31% decrease in opioid mortality. That's pretty amazing. Uh, three ways to use it. A, for pain control to decrease your opioid dosage. So if you can cut your dosage of opioids in half, that's a, that's a big win. You can also use it during withdrawal to manage the symptoms of withdrawal. Because you know people who are addicted to opioids, they don't want to be addicted to opioids. These are people that you know, they use it for pain and now they are physically addicted and they want to come off. So when you come off, the, the, the withdrawal symptoms are so bad that many people can't do it. So the cannabis can help to manage those symptoms. And then preventative, to avoid addiction in place of opioids. I mean, I really believe that it should be a first line of defense when people have pain and anxiety and insomnia. We should be trying cannabis or CBD first before we put people on all these harsh pharmaceuticals with all the side effects. So that would be, that would be my wish. Okay, so here's just an example. If you add some cannabis, you can decrease your opioid dose. And this is an addiction cycle, a regular addiction cycle. And then with CBD treatment in particular, it helps to reduce anxiety and pain and mood symptoms during withdrawal and can help reduce cravings and make uh, people more successful in getting off opioids. Okay, synergy with SSRIs. So here's a way that if you use CBD or cannabis, you can many people can decrease their dose of their uh, anti-anxiety medications. Ooh, look at that, double-double. Um, sometimes these, uh, I get two arrows. Um, so it will also, for anxiety and depression, we talked about CBD can de increase anandamide, uh, potentiate serotonin receptors. It can increase this GABA inhibitory neurotransmitter, so that can help uh, a feeling of well-being and also decrease cortisol, which is a stress hormone. So these are some ways that uh, CBD and cannabis can help with mood. Sleep issues. You know, sleep, there are a lot of different causes for sleep issues, pain, anxiety, all sorts of things. So when I meet with people and, and they have sleep issues, you know, we look at a lot of different things. I don't just, they don't just come to me and I say, okay, you need CBD or cannabis and here you go. There are a lot of things you can do to help with sleep. Uh, CBN, I think I mentioned, is a cannabinoid that's particularly good for sleep, as is myrcene, the terpene myrcene. Uh, there are other things that, that you can do. White noise machines help a lot of people, warm tea, cloves, uh, valerian, chamomile, and having a bedtime routine. So these are just some of the things that... Uh, I've, I've had a lot of people that have found relief from insomnia using CBD. So it's helpful for a lot of people. Autism. So a lot of good research in Israel on autism and cannabis and CBD. Interesting, whoops, sorry. This is sort of interesting. A study last year showed that children with autism tend to have lower anandamide levels. Israeli study, oh, there was an 80% improvement in behavior when they gave high CBD cannabis oil to a group of kids. I think there were 60 kids in this study, and they're just starting a new study with 120 kids. So they're doing great research over there in Israel. Uh, CBD may help with the anxiety and hyperactivity uh, and seizures that often accompany autism. So you've heard about people say, well, you know, if you smoke cannabis, you're going to have the munchies, and it's going to, you're going to gain weight. 
cannabis users actually have lower BMIs, body mass indexes, uh, than non-cannabis users. So I guess they're not eating enough Doritos to make up for, make up for uh, you know, that. Um, so usually when your stomach is empty, you release a hormone called ghrelin, and it tells your brain, I'm hungry, eat. When you take THC, it actually releases ghrelin, which is why some people do get, there is a reason that you get the munchies. You do get a little bit hungry when you use THC. Uh, let's see, the hippocampus, the olfactory bulb, when you use cannabis, it actually, you increase the pleasure of eating, so that might help you eat more. And then if you have less anxiety and pain, you might be more inclined to eat more. And this is a really good thing for patients who have cancer or uh, elderly people. My dad had no appetite. I said, oh, I'm just not hungry, I'm not hungry. So if we can give our elderly population something that will increase the pleasure of eating, I mean, what a, like, what a wonder drug. GI issues, as a dietitian, this is really pretty interesting to me. I have uh, a guy that grew up in our church and he's in his early 20s and he has Crohn's disease. And he was just wracked with pain, could not sleep. They put him on all the medicine for Crohn's. It didn't help. And then he tried cannabis when he got to be, I think, 18. And he said it's, it's a game changer. It's, it's life changing for him. He's now in college. He says he sleeps through the night. It's, it's, it's a miracle. He says it's a miracle that I can do this. So decreasing inflammation in the gut, reducing hypermotility, so people with irritable bowel who have increased motility in their gut, it can help with that. Antibacterial effect of CBD in particular, it's antibacterial and people with uh, irritable bowel and other gut issues tend to have more infections in their gut, so this antibacterial action is important. It actually stimulates cells in the GI lining and can help to calm anxiety, which could be a contributing factor to irritable bowel. Skin conditions. So cannabinoids, they possess anti-inflammatory and antimicrobial and anti-itch properties. So this was one study and they found a 60% improvement in itch and loss of sleep in atopic dermatitis sufferers. I had someone visiting last summer for a reunion and she got bit by a mosquito and she had these huge welts on her arm. And I said, you know, let me give you some of my CBD salve. Just, I don't know if it's gonna help. She came over a few minutes later and she said, my welts are gone. She said, that doesn't happen. I always get big welts and they stay for a long time. So it's, you know, the proof is in the pudding. People say, oh, you know, but there's not a double blind placebo controlled study to show that it can help with mosquito bite welts. Well, you know, no, maybe there's not. But guess what? I personally don't need that. I don't need that. I see it. Um, topical CBD, it actually can reduce oil production and inflammation in acne sufferers. I have a 26-year-old daughter who, when I told her that I was changing my career to do this, she's in public health. She has a master's in public health. She was horrified. She's like, I can't believe you're doing that, Mom. I said, well, you know, you saw the crampy, you saw relief, blah, blah, blah. And then I, after I did it for a few months, she sent me a New York Times article and it talked about how CBD is being used for beauty and for acne. She's like, Mom, can you hook me up? <laughs> so now she takes CBD too. Yeah. Um, oh, the CB1 receptors can decrease age-related bone loss. Again, back to this, and then the bones healing. That was the study that I told you about uh, with uh, uh, the rats and the, the broken legs. Alzheimer's and memory issues. So we know it's neuroprotecting. The US government knows that it's neuroprotecting because I got a patent. It can help protect the myelin insulation of the nerve fibers and decrease the beta amyloid plaque development in the brain. That's one of the, uh, one of the causes of... Is this CBD or THC? Um, this is the study on THC. Yeah, this, this is, yeah, this, I think this was the THC, right. Uh, vasorelaxant. So this, the vasorelaxant is actually uh, CBD, a really good uh, thing about CBD. It can, it can help as a, as a vasorelaxant and decrease damage after a stroke. My friend's mother had a stroke and she was at a well-known rehab hospital in this area and asked if 
she was on a G uh, on a G tube for feeding because she was she was severely compromised. And, and my friend said she wanted to put CBD oil in her mother's G tube. And of course, they're like, uh, no, no, you can't do that. And she spoke to the top guy at the hospital and got approval. And so she used um, CBD oil in her mother's G tube, and she feels that it that it helped her in her in her healing process. Oh, this is in California. There's a senior living facility, and they have a monthly cannabis, so they take their their residents to the dispensary once a month. This is a real problem because many of our nursing facilities get federal funds, so they don't allow cannabis in, in the facilities, and that is a tragedy. I'm gonna tell you that that is a tragedy that we have to deal with. We have to figure out how we can allow our elderly people near the end of their lives to, uh, yeah, oh, I've got, I've, got, I've got people who sneak it in, absolutely. But it would be nice if, because old, you know, these people who are 80 or 90 years old, I mean, they don't really wanna be sneaking it. So it would be nice if, if it were legal. Diabetes, a lot of interesting research on this. The endocannabinoid system is involved in glucose metabolism. I, I spoke with a PhD student about a year ago, and she said that she was working on this study in the Midwest looking at, it was like the Framingham Heart Study, looking at people over 30 or 40 years to see who got heart disease and who didn't, and is it cholesterol or is it inflammation or what. She said one thing that they found, which was not what they were looking for, is that cannabis users had markedly lower incidence of diabetes. Like very significantly significant. Significantly significant? Wow. Okay, it was significant. Um, cannabis use is associated with lower levels of insulin and less insulin resistance. Okay, how do you take, how do you take cannabis or CBD? Uh, you can use a tincture under your tongue. When you put a tincture under your tongue, you should hold it for at least a minute to two minutes. Okay. I just saw a tincture that someone got at a dispensary and it said, put in your mouth and swallow. Well, that's, that's, that's an edible. That's now going through your GI tract and has to be processed by your liver. That's not a tincture. Sublingual tincture under the tongue, the buccal membranes really have a lot of absorption capability. So you hold it for as long as you can. I tell people to take 10 slow, deep breaths. And they do that, and then they swallow. Uh, topical creams, I'm telling you, these topical creams can be life-changing for people, especially older people who say, I don't know if I want to ingest it, I don't know if I want to smoke it. I say, okay, just put some on your knee then, or on your hip, or on your back, or on your feet for neuropathy. And then they see what can happen and how much better they feel, and then they're more likely to then try a tincture. That's sort of the gateway, the gateway salve <laughs> to get people on board. <laughs> Transdermal patches you put either on your wrist or your ankle, uh, and it does when you when you put a topical salve, it doesn't go into your bloodstream. It just penetrates the epidermis and gives you the anti-inflammatory and pain relief. A transdermal patch does go into your bloodstream. It's a slow release, and it offers a good long uh, period of pain release. That's a, a great option for people. Capsules, so you can just take a soft gel every day. Uh, inhalation, roll a joint, use a, uh, a vape pen or a, a vaporizer, so you can put a little flour in there, and it burns at a lower temperature, so it's not quite as caustic on your lungs. Edibles. Long-term relief, excellent. For someone who has severe pain, it's a really good option, but edibles, if they contain THC, are very, very, uh, they, you have to be very careful with them, that's all. You just have to make sure that the dose of THC isn't so high that someone who's not used to it doesn't get extraordinarily uncomfortable. Suppositories, very effective um, for menstrual cramps, ineffective for people who have issues colon, colon cancer. That's, it's a really good uh, way to get medicine. And then the raw juice that we talked about, juicing the leaves and getting the raw THC and THC, uh, THCA and CBDA. Okay, so this is just some basic information about onset and duration. So the quickest is vaporized, is vaping. Vaping or smoking. If you, if you smoke, get, get, get it into your lungs, it's gonna take, take effect very quickly. 
okay? It doesn't last that long, just one to three hours, but it is the fastest way of getting relief. Sublingual can be pretty quick too, 15 minutes or so. The longest lasting are the edibles in the transdermal patches. So depending on what you're looking for, you know, everyone has their own opinion on they want to take an edible or they want to take a, use a vape or they want to use a soft gel or tincture. Dosing, start low, go slow. The therapeutic ranges for CBD and THC are huge. Some people can find relief with two, three, four milligrams of either CBD or THC. Some people require 10, 20, 50, 100. So it's very, very individual, which is why we always start low, because if you can get relief with just five milligrams, why pay for 20? So it's important to do that, to start low and figure it out. Uh, it it depends on fat in your stomach, so if you, if you have a lot of fat in your stomach and you take a soft gel, for example, your absorption will be increased, but it will come in slowly, it will last longer, okay? Whereas if you eat a gummy and there's nothing in your belly, then it will be absorbed quickly, but it won't last as long. Uh, let's see, yeah, you self-titrate, so you have to Keep a journal, what you're taking, what relief you're getting for whatever your symptoms are. Hyperresponders, people who use uh, alcohol at the same time, your liver enzymes are busy breaking down your alcohol, so maybe that it will leave more THC in your system. So you might be a little bit more uh, hyperresponder. Or if you take an awful lot of meds or chemotherapy, if you're having chemo and your liver is so busy breaking down your chemo, then it might not be available to break down your CBD or your THC, which could result in an increase or decrease. THC tolerance breaks, you all know about that. Your CBD, you don't develop a tolerance to, but THC, you do. You do. So if you take 10 milligrams for a month, then you'll say, well, wait a minute, now I, I'm getting more pain, I might need 15 to get the same amount of pain relief, then you might need 20, 25, 30. So the best way to reset your clock is to go off cannabis for either a few days or a week, and that'll reset your tolerance. So that now five or 10 milligrams will be effective for you. Okay, pharmaceutical cannabinoids. Not really a fan, but we have Marinol, Benaminol, we have THC, and then we have the THC plus CBD and then the CBD epidiolex. These are single molecule versus whole plants. I've told you how I feel about that. You really want that entourage or ensemble effect so that they all work together to get you your medicine. You know, THC alone or CBD alone is not going to be nearly as effective. So that's, that's my opinion on that. Okay, cannabis and drug interactions. So we have an enzyme system in our liver, the CYP450 enzyme system. It's the same system that's used to break down a lot of other medications. If you take CBD with, let's say, Lipitor, which also uses this enzyme system, it may not be such a big deal if you have an extra 5% or less, or 5% less Lipitor in your blood. However, if you're taking Coumadin or Warfarin, where there's a very narrow therapeutic window, you do have to be more careful when you're taking uh, CBD in particular is broken down by the CYP450 enzyme system. So you need to either take it at a different time, make sure you're using a small dose. You just have to be a little bit more, more careful with, with those things. So grapefruit is another thing that uses that CYP450. So if the doctor says, don't drink grapefruit juice with this medication, that could hold true for CBD. Now, if you're ingesting CBD, it has to go through the liver. If you're smoking, it's less of an issue, and using a tincture, it's less of an issue. Okay, so there, there are ways to get around that, but you just need to know about it. There's a synergy, we talked about that. Tricyclics, there could be a potential um, enhanced sedation. Alcohol, we talked about that, it could increase your impairment. Uh, NSAIDs might antagonize. You might get less high when you take an NSAIDs with cannabis. And then uh, Prilosec, if these medications that lower your stomach acid, you might need less cannabis. So if you're ingesting it and you've in your got less acid, less will be broken down, so more could get into your blood. Okay, real quick, a few case studies. 95-year-old uh, 
he was take, he took uh, 10 milligrams of CBD every morning, uh, a broad spectrum. So everything except the THC, doing really well. My Parkinson's guy, he has just done so well. He sends me notes all the time. He sent me flowers for my birthday. He's taking CBD and really seeing a big, this, this guy right here too, I had dinner with his son and uh, his son took me to dinner and said, He's a dietitian too. He said, thank you. He said, my whole family thanks you. He said, not only is his Parkinson's better, but he's much, much easier to be around. So he's got the anandamide increase. Oh, this is uh, Graves' disease. This woman was going in for an, an injection into her eyeball because she has Graves' disease. And she came to see me on a Monday. She said, will CBD help? I said, I have no idea. I have no experience with this. It's anti-inflammatory. She started taking 25 milligrams on Monday, Friday went in for her injection. The doctor said, what did you do? You don't need the injection. So again, it's not a double blind placebo controlled study, but and here's a 31 year old with uh, irritable bowel and he was on clonopin and all sorts of medications. He's been taking uh, just 10 milligrams of CBD daily and he's uh, completely off of his clonopin. Okay, why don't more doctors recommend cannabis or CBD? We know that they haven't been trained in it even now. Only about 10% of med schools teach about the endocannabinoid system in medical cannabis, which is absolutely just unbelievable to me. I didn't learn about it back in back when I was training at the New England Deaconess Hospital. Uh, but the fact that present doctors don't know about cannabis, I get that. I get that. But anyone who's trained now should obviously be trained in this. Uh, it, the whole federal, being federally illegal is part of the problem. They're, they're just so afraid. You know, they say they approve of it, but they don't feel confident prescribing it. Um, so we need, to, we need to change that. So in a perfect world, all health professionals would be open to suggesting CBD and or cannabis uh, for health and wellness. You know, you don't have to be really, really sick to get benefit from cannabis and CBD. Uh, everyone should have access to high quality and affordable cannabis products, which that's, that's a struggle. That's a struggle. Uh, and I, sh I think it should be the first option for pain, anxiety, insomnia, some GI issues. And I really feel strongly about this, that no one experiences unnecessary pain and suffering at the end of their lives. I mean, I, I went back, I got my end of life doula certificate after my father died. Um, and it, I just think it's, it's just a tragedy that our people, our fellow humans in the last few months of their lives, uh, so many, so many suffer. And that concludes, and I wanted to leave plenty of time for questions. mentioned high quality CBD products. Everybody's selling the CBD. Everywhere you look, how do you find, how do you know if you're getting a high quality CBD product? Where do you go? Very good question. So, then I'll use this one. Okay, so the FDA did a, well, I'm going to be tethered here, I like to walk. Uh, the FDA did a study and found that 70% of the products on the market, they were mislabeled, some of them had THC and didn't say they did. Some of them had zero CBD. So, yeah, I mean, I walk around the floor downstairs and I say, oh. I mean, I, I spent three weeks researching CBD because I wanted to know what to recommend to my clients once I started doing this. And I said, I gotta find a brand that I can say, okay, buy this brand. You know, I, it, was, it was a struggle. And the one, the one that I found is organically grown, which is important because cannabis is a bioaccumulator plant which means it draws toxins out of the soil. So I wouldn't, use, I wouldn't use a CBD product that is not organically grown. So I found one in Colorado, and as it turns out, they only white label, so I actually have my own, my own brand of Janibus Wellness CBD. So, and, and see, I know that it's high quality, but if you're going online, you need to ask for a, a certificate of analysis. You need to ask for independent lab testing of, of the product. I mean, I contacted a major player in the CBD world, and I said, you, you call it hemp extract, how much CBD is in there? You say 35 milligrams of hemp extract, what, how much? They said, that's proprietary. Oh. Uh -huh. Okay then, 
not, not going to buy it. So, and, and a lot of times now when, because, it, because it's so popular, people are sourcing from all over the world, so they don't have that control over the quality and the extraction. And of course, you can use hexane and butane to extract the oils, which I wouldn't want used. You want a clean extraction with um, CO2 extraction, with uh, maybe some ethanol. I know the person, uh, another speaker today said that. So yeah, you just have to ask for, yeah, you have to ask for proof. Uh, you don't have a list. <laughs> I don't have a list, no, I don't have a list. Because I really, honestly, I, I, I don't know. It would, I would really, like I said, it took me weeks to, to find one that, that I felt comfortable with. Yeah. Can I speak to this? Um, the whole plant oil access for autism group does provide a list of, provider data. Really? Whole plant? Whole plant, whole plant. Whole plant yeah. Full plant access for autism. Okay. I'm gonna look at. They have a group. It's WCA. Great. Thank you. Or find a local grower. Or find a local grower. And it's, it's, it's doing the yeah. CO2 with their product or whatever else you. And then the CO2 extractor oil you can use in almost any way, shape, and form. Just All right. To try to okay. And do you know a good local grower? You, you, you <laughs> All right. Well, tell me afterwards. Yeah. So, Janice, if you were going to make your own tincture, what would you use for a base? Like, what would you recommend? I would do oil-based versus alcohol-based. Um, I think oil is a better carrier, and alcohol yeah. kind of. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's no here. Right. Um, so as you know, um, Florida is one of like the biggest like medical marijuana markets, and they also happen to have like a lot of like retirees. Do you happen to know any like any interesting like? Are there any interesting things you've been hearing out of Florida in terms of like sort of research for or sort of uh, treatment or or treatment options for retirees? Are there are there any like new stories you've been hearing from Florida? Any especially? compelling or anything that makes sense I guess no I mean I don't I don't know any specific stories from Florida I mean the fact that that a lot of people use it in Florida makes sense because the fastest growing population is those over 50 using cannabis much I mean I think there's been a 13% increase in you know 18 to 25 year olds and a tenfold increase in people over 50 using cannabis in the past decade so, but I don't know any other particular stories, sorry. Okay, Yeah. thank you. Sure. Hi. Hi, I noticed earlier you talked about there's not a tolerance level for CBD like there is for THC, but do you know if there's any like long-term effects on the endocannabinoid system for using CBD for such a long time? You know, I don't know that, but I do know when the, um, the NIH scientists were applied for the patent, they said in their application that based on what they knew, there were no long-term negative effects of using CBD. That, that's really the only thing that, that I have, because it hasn't been that long that it's been really, I guess, on the market. I mean, we've used cannabis for thousands of years, and we know that in longitudinal studies that cannabis users don't have, like I said, they have much lower diabetes incidence, and so, yeah, but, uh, but that's, what, that's all I know. Any other questions? So if we're if we're healthy now, um, what what can we do to be preventive and to take good care of ourselves using the knowledge that you have? What sort of recommendation would you would you give us to either using um, you know body lotions after showers that have CBD in it? Maybe you can take taking pictures every morning. Um, like, what's a good way to use this in a preventive fashion? Well, to keep your endocannabinoid system healthy, you want to exercise, you want to decrease stress, you want to, you know, deep breathing, you want, you know, eat a lot of plants, a lot of whole foods, you want to, um, 
take a um, little bit of CBD every day or a little bit of cannabis every day. You know, just a little bit. You don't need a lot for, for general health, just to sort of get that, get that anandamide level up a little bit and keep things in balance. That's what the ECS, the endocannabinoid system wants. It wants homeostasis. So all those things together, um, get outside, you know, here we are inside all day, but you know, that those are, it all works together sort of holistically with exercise and stress management and taking, taking a little bit of, I mean, I just, I take 10 milligrams of CBD every day. I mean, that to me, for my bones and for anxiety, that's all, that's all I need. And what's the, in a little, if you have a little stopper, yeah. like in a teacher, how, how much is that? Oh, they're all different. They're all different. They're all different. If you have 500 milligrams in a dropper, in a, in a bottle, it'll be about 15 to 20 milligrams in a full dropper, about. So you can sort of go from there. It, it really depends. It depends. So you might just need, you know, a little bit of a dropper. Um, I know that cannabis is a, a taken down from the liver, but is there any kidney dysfunction or anything on the kidney that would inhibit somebody from taking either DPHC or CBD? Not that I'm aware of with the kidney. No, I no haven't come not that I've not that I've come across in my in my training and my in my research. We have time for one more quick question. <laughs> we have to have two because he had his hand up earlier. Um, uh, for treating skin cancer, uh, do you recommend topicals or oral? Probably both. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think you'd benefit from, from um, you know, internal as well as topical. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've read um, a number of conflicting articles over the years that seem to be unresolved. One of them has to do with cardiac events following use of uh, smoking within the first hour. Um, and potential for stroke, but the articles that I have seen um, have been counterbalanced by other articles. So I'm wondering if there's uh, any update that you're aware of on that. And uh, my second question is also related. It has to do with um, hippocampus mass and loss of hippocampus mass with um, uh, prolonged use again, conflicting data, uh, help to find good studies. So as far as a cardiac, if if someone is is smoking or taking in a lot of THC and they have, you know, this rapid heart rate, and you know, it's possible that that would put a stress on your heart if you overdo it. I I haven't heard just. Now, is this long-term cannabis use that, that you, that I, I haven't read studies it's, that have said mid, that. Uh, an acute symptom um, okay. after, after use. Hmm. Uh, Bronco, if you're predisposed, if you have it a heart a issue, it's going to cause a problem with your small heart. Okay, so if you already have a heart issue, if you have heart disease, it's possible that smoking, the effect of the, the smoking could trigger something. Yeah. Okay, I have a valve replacement four months ago. <laughs> and, a valve replacement. If, yeah, if you don't have any stenosis in your cardiac, uh, coronary artery, where you're going to, once you smoke that, you, right. you're going to spasm a little bit. You don't want to spasm that hard. Overall, if you don't have a problem, um, it's going to actually be beneficial for the heart because it's going to relax the coronary the, artery. The vasorelaxant, right, right, so exactly. Unless you are about to have a heart attack, it could induce a heart attack, but overall, it should be okay, is what I've read. CBD can also interact with some forms of substance
Yeah, Project CBD is 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 great. They do have a lot that you know CYP450 enzyme system. But you know if your doctor says you know be careful with or avoid grapefruit juice, that that's a bit of a red flag. So that you'd want to. Uh, in the hippo, Dr. Uma, do you have? Yay! <laughs> this is Dr. Uma Donabalan. She will be the next speaker. And for everybody's information, Johnson Well, I want to give Janice Newell Bishops a great big thank you. Janice's wellness was great. And like I said, Dr. Uma Donabalan will be up next with Docs and Jocks. And